Welcome to Trade Finance Talks, a podcast from Trade Finance Global. During this series, we'll be hearing from global experts, as well as learning about the latest trends, technology and insights in the world of international trade and receivables finance. Episode 53. I really believe that factoring will be an opportunity in the near future because a lot of companies, of clients, will ask for most facilities from our site. COVID has forced insurance companies um, to reduce or cancel uh, limits on insurance barriers. I'm Dipesh Patel, editor at Trade Finance Global. So one year ago, we were gathered in Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam, at FCI's annual conference. Reflecting back, we talked about the 2018 factoring volumes at roughly 2.7 trillion euros. For 2019, the volumes increased once again by just over 5% year on year at 2.9 trillion euros. So back last year, what were the biggest challenges to the industry? Well, we saw extreme economic and political volatility, the rise in nationalism and protectionism, And of course, this led to a general slowdown in global trade. And this was before the coronavirus pandemic. Fast forwarding 12 months, we can probably conclude that the geopolitical and macroeconomic factors have continued or even heightened, coupled with the crippling effects of the COVID-19 crisis. The receivables and factoring industry now plays a critical role in recovery and turn towards eventual growth in global trade particularly by continuing to finance SMEs during this very challenging time. With that in mind, we caught up with FCI's chairman, Mr. Patrick de Villepin, and FCI vice chairman, Ms. Daniela Bonzanini, joining virtually at the FCI annual conference. Both, welcome to Trade Finance Talks. So to start off with, let's have a very quick introduction. So no more than 30 seconds or less. Who are you? Where are you from? And what do you do? Patrick, let's start with you. Hello, I'm French from France, global head of factoring within BNP Paribas and working in the industry now since almost 20 years. Thank you. And Daniela, over to you. I'm Daniela Bonzanini. I'm from Italy. I'm head of international at Banca IFIS, responsible for the development of business and international network and member of the board of the two daughter companies Banca IFIS has established in Poland and Romania. In the past, I was chairman of FCI. Currently, I am chairman of the education committee and vice chairman of the executive committee. Thank you very much. So, Patrick, reporting virtually from the FCI annual conference, and this is the first time it's been delivered online. I mean, that in itself is quite extraordinary and has required Dutch authorities to allow for meetings and decisions to be made virtually, right? Yes, this is actually the first, very first virtual annual meeting or 52nd annual gathering. And uh, strangely... (laughs) Uh, I don't know if I was the lucky one, but uh, it's my first annual meeting as chairman, and uh, I had to do it uh, virtually. You're perfectly right. We were permitted by the Dutch government to hold this meeting virtually, and 
we were allowed to hold this meeting after the 30th of June as required under the Dutch law. So we had to do it before October 1st. And uh, I think, uh, of course, it's not a physical meeting, but I can say it was really a success. Thanks. And Patrick, at a very high level, what has changed for FCI and also FCI members during the pandemic? Of course, a lot has changed. This year is unique, a year we will never forget. And uh, really, I would never have imagined to work in such conditions. Practically, all members have had to begin working from home, almost, impacting the response time, especially during the lockdown period in uh, a big part of the world. We witnessed a significant increase in past dues and dilution risk reported in the second quarter. Risk, of course, has increased in terms of both bankruptcy and fraud risk, although the severity differs market to market. So a difficult period, but since Q3, also we see a nice recovery in, in turnovers, of course, depending on countries, geographies, but uh, the Q3 is better and hopefully we will recover in Q4 and, uh, and next year. Thanks very much. And we'll, we'll discuss the counter-cyclical nature of the factoring industry perhaps a little bit later on. Daniela, have FCI members turned towards education and, and more training in the past months? Yes, I would like to say a few words about uh, what happened during the pandemic. First of all, uh, COVID has highlighted more than ever the importance of having uh, skilled and well-educated resources able to deal with the new challenges. And FCI has um, proven once again its important added value in educational matter. We started to introduce webinars long time ago, well in advance of the pandemic, and uh, Early use of webinars allowed us to become familiar with the tool and be ready to face the increased demand for digital education and connection when the need suddenly arose. The online training and webinars have been intensified during the last few months. Several topics were covered. Attendance was a big success, almost 3,300 people in total. Latest webinar was organized for Latin America in September and was attended by almost 400 people as an average, with very active participation during Q&A sessions, which made us comfortable to manage large attendance. So this implementation has enabled us to maintain our educational support to members and the industry, and we continue to offer this solution in the coming months. Meetings in person uh, um, are not available. So factoring continues to grow. According to FCI's most recent report, last year volumes grew to just under 3 billion euros, reaching uh, 4.05% global penetration, which is a bit of a rise from the previous year. Patrick, what's likely to be the impacts of COVID-19 on factoring volumes, in, in your opinion? Sure. As you said, FCI reported an increase of uh, more than 5.6% uh, last year. This is a very nice uh, figure after 17 and 18 of strong growth, increasing 9% and 7% respectively. We can say that uh, we grew a lot in 19 and the previous years, but of course, 
since the beginning of the year 2020, it's more and more difficult. FCI international factoring volume declined by 35% through August 20. And globally, we can say that uh, as GDP have dropped a lot during Q2 almost everywhere, well, of course, the uh, factoring uh, turnover of our clients has uh, declined a lot in many, many countries. I believe it has, we can see a two-digit drop. In Europe, to just give you an example, U.S. reported factoring decline by 6% globally, but with very much differences from one country to another. UK uh, being the first country with a 14% decrease, and uh, Germany, for instance, having 2% increase. So a lot of discrepancy between countries. Last but not least, SFNet, Secured Finance Network, reported a decline in ABL volume of 25% during the second quarter. So we can say that all over the world, there has been globally GDP and turnover plunging. Of course, we don't have the figures out of Europe yet, but I believe that the drop will be uh, almost everywhere. Even if in Asia, I hope that the recovery will be better as they have the big strike is at the end of the year and beginning of this year, but end of the year uh, last year. So it should be better, I believe, this year for Asia, but all other geographies have suffered a lot, that's for sure. And will continue to suffer, I believe, till the end of the year, and hopefully we will recover next year. But of course, it's very difficult to predict. We really don't know what's in front of us, and it will depend on a potential second wave in this virus. Thanks, Patrick. So what's the role of factoring in a real economy crisis like what we're seeing right now? Has it had a role to play perhaps in the financing of medical supplies and PPE? And also given the huge changes we've seen in global value chains and supply chains and an increased lack of trust between buyers and sellers, what role does factoring play? Well, I'm not sure factoring plays a big role in the healthcare part because, uh, well, it really depends on countries. In some countries, as in Italy, in Spain, in Portugal, it can have a nice and big part. But in many, many other geographies, factoring doesn't, uh, it's not really a sector of development uh, for factoring. The, The medical field is really rather small. For sure, we've heard there a steep increase in demand as SMEs and corporate look to diversify their funding sources, but also look to unwind commercial risk in their business. So for the SMEs, and SMEs are really the core or segments and development for SMEs, I really believe there will be a need for liquidity, for financing, and also a need of new guarantees against insolvency. And as uh, we will see in some uh, regions, decrease or cancellations of credit insurance lines, I really believe that factoring will be an opportunity in the near future because a lot of companies, of clients, will ask for most facilities from our side. Thanks very much, Patrick. Let's 
take a look back at some of the key initiatives from FCI in recent months. And to start with, I'd like to start on, we'll touch upon Bangladesh. Daniela, what is the Bangladesh policy on factoring? Why is it important and what is FCI assisted with? Well, first of all, I would like to say that I'm very pleased to talk about uh, Bangladesh initiative. I feel very much involved in it. In fact, uh, in uh, 2015, when I was chairman of FCI, myself, the Secretary General and the chairman of the legal committee went to Dhaka to attend a conference organized by SCI in cooperation with ICC. That was the first time we planted a seed of international factoring in the country. And I must admit the success went far beyond our expectations. More than 300 delegates attended the two-day event. And the factoring promotion was attended by the Commerce Minister as chief guest and the deputy governor of the central bank. And uh, both were extremely positive about uh, international factoring, which was perceived uh, having enormous potential in terms of projected growth of the country's export. And uh, expert committees and government departments were subsequently involved to scrutinize the product and fix the legal and organizational aspect. And in the following years, FCI has strongly supported the initiative. White paper on factoring policy recommendation was submitted to the Bangladesh Bank. Repeated training programs to the public banking community, government, central banks have been provided. And the last June, the Foreign Exchange Policy Department of Bangladesh Bank has authorized international factoring, a big success for the industry. And FCI is delighted to have contributed to the introduction of factory in the country. I feel confident that Bangladesh uh, will become a significant export factory market in the region. We also have uh, two uh, positive stories, which include the factoring legislation that is in consideration in both lower houses of Congress in Nigeria, where FCI, together with our members, the Afrixim Bank and the Nigerian Exim Bank, have organized awareness seminars and meetings with the stakeholders to promote and introduce factoring there and has played a significant role in uh, persuading uh, the authorities. And then we have Jordan. A training event was organized in Amman last year We were approached by the education director of the Central Bank of Jordan, uh, who asked for our assistance in helping them to create a policy. We provided a detailed white paper on factoring, and this month of October, a webinar session will be held. And we are ready to provide any kind of support they need, and our regional director is in contact with local institutions. These are some examples of our contributions spreading the knowledge of factoring amongst regulators, entrepreneurs, and financial institutions. And uh, we will continue to support the industry worldwide. Thanks, Daniela. And I think that knowledge sharing and looking at successful models, perhaps in some markets, and, and looking at how they can fit in in some of the fastest growing, important developing economies is, is so, so 
important. Daniela, what is the Unidroid model law on factoring and why should we develop one? UNIDRA, as we know, is an independent intergovernmental organization and its purpose is to study needs and methods for harmonizing and coordinating private and, in particular, commercial laws uh, as between states and to formulate uniform law instruments. In the past, UNIDRA has been already active in the factoring industry. In fact, recognizing the importance of adopted uniform rules to provide a legal framework that will facilitate international factoring, it constituted a study group for the preparation of uniform rules on the factoring contract. And the final draft of the document was uh, presented during a diplomatic conference hosted by the government of Canada in uh, 1988, and it was um, successfully received. Nowadays, the factoring global landscape shows different situations. In most mature countries, factoring is governed by civil code. Some have ratified the UNIDRA Convention, Very few countries have introduced a specific law, while many developing countries still miss a proper legal framework. And what matters most is what happens in uh, legislatures around the world to enhance, strengthen, and codify factoring, and the court's ability to easily interpret these clear laws. So last year, UNIDRA at the urging of the World Bank, started considering the creation of a formal model loan factoring, and FCI highly encouraged the initiative. In July this year, the first meeting took place, and FCI was represented by some members of the legal committee. I think it's a great initiative. There is no global factory model law that has been deployed by any multilateral institution like the UNIDRA, and we believe this will help expedite the creation of clear factoring laws in especially developing countries around the world where such legal frameworks are not in existence. And the process is quite complex. Approximately two years are estimated to complete it, but certainly it represents a major boost to the development of the factoring around the world. Thank you very much, Daniela. And, and it's interesting because we often talk about standardization of technology when we talk about factoring and trade digitalization, but actually the implementation of universal laws into laws in specific jurisdictions is incredibly important to ensure that things run as they should in in certain countries, especially when you're introducing factoring into new markets. Let's now talk about credit insurance and its importance. In your recent poll, you stated that 15 to 20% of insured buyer lines of credit are supported by the factoring and receivables finance industry. These have been adversely impacted by COVID-19. Daniela, how can governments support and backstop the credit insurance market? Why is this important and what success have we seen so far? COVID has forced insurance companies um, to reduce or cancel uh, limits on insurance barriers. has had a direct impact on the liquidity available to SME sector. Without such insurance, 
companies may be reluctant to buy or sell goods or services to adults and require advanced payment for goods and services, further squeezing companies' liquidity. SCI has estimated that in last year, a large share of the business turnover founded by the factoring industry has been insured to cover non-recourse factoring. And this proves that the receivable finance industry is tremendously reliant on the trade credit insurance sector and that um, the availability of easily accessible and competitively priced credit insurance is critical to the support and delivery of this funding solution, both in domestic and cross-border context. In addition, if we consider that over 70% of the clients of the factoring industries, industry are represented by SMEs, it is uh, mandatory to support the trade credit insurance sector during this difficult time, uh, which ultimately supports the real economy. Governments, especially in Europe, today are providing reinsurance to trade credit insurance to help revive the economy after COVID-19 disrupted the supply chain and increased the risk of bankruptcy. SCI, together with its credit insurance members, COFAS, Euler Hermes, and Astralius, and the Global Association of the Private Credit Insurers, took the initiative to send a letter to the U.S. government and request the establishment of an emergency temporary credit insurance shield, similar to the program launched in Europe, to help SMEs during this challenging time by ensuring that credits are not abandoned, or at least the amounts are sufficient in this economic environment to support the trade. We have received an acknowledgement from the U.S. Federal Reserve Bank confirming that they are investigating it, and we hope to see initiative launched very soon. This will be a big, big support for industry, our industry, and for the real economy. Thanks, Daniela. And we've reported a lot, I guess, on the importance of why credit insurance backstop, particularly in the UK and the EU, is beneficial for the private insurers. And I guess the impact that this has on the SME finance sector. So let's see what happens in the US and we'll get back in touch with you to see how that progresses. Let's talk about eddy factoring now. Daniela, what is eddy factoring? How does it help factors? And what's the latest given the pandemic? So more than 30 years ago, FCR realized that um, the growth of the two-factor business was very much dependent on speed in communication and paperless transactions. And for this purpose, the first data exchange platform called the FAC system was created. FAC system was the ancestor of uh, edifactoring.com. Edifactoring.com is the communication system of FCI. It is a web-based ADI system based on central processing and reporting, message validation, and mailboxes. It is an independent platform, 
and it supports a virtually unlimited number of simultaneous users. The overall purpose of edifactoring.com is to support the two-factor business of FCI members. That is achieved by the exchange of messages and the production of several reports. The use of edifactoring.com results in no transaction support or maintenance costs payable to FCI or to any other party, no or very low operating costs, high availability, increased speed of operation, easy support for connections to third parties. So edifactoring.com supports members of FCI by providing a means to do cross-border factoring by utilizing the global network to offset risk and provide collection support in the 94 countries FCI operates in. Just a few examples of the transactions generated in the first nine months this year. Over 380,000 payment transactions, 16,000 credit applications, 350,000 invoices assigned, so huge numbers. As we announced in Vietnam last year during the annual meeting, the FCI Executive Committee approved the project of ADI 2.0 consisting in a major investment in a new IT platform that will be blockchain ready with a new look and feel embedded with most modern and sophisticated software, multiple new functions, future capabilities such as a buyer and seller onboarding tool. In addition, edifactoring will be strengthened with improved security, for example, for users' password exchange and privacy profile, which are mandatory requirements nowadays. We expect to have the rollout of this new system latest by October next year. Thank you very much, Daniela. So I guess concluding this podcast from the FCI annual conference, what are the short to medium term focus for FCI now? And, and Patrick, perhaps I can turn to you to start. We have a lot of issues to tackle in the short and medium term. And we done so much during the last weeks and months organizing webinars maybe more than we've been ever done in the past. I think that uh, first we need to decentralize more. Decentralization is key for FCI. I was last week in Amsterdam to organize this uh, 52nd virtual annual meeting. It was good to be with the team with more than 500 attendees uh, virtually by WebEx. But I really believe that you can't rule anymore an association, a worldwide association as FCI from Amsterdam, from a center point in the world. You need to decentralize. So we need to continue to expand FCI regional offices. And uh, I'm happy to say that FCI, together with our partner in Africa, Pressing Bank, will announce shortly the hiring of a new FCI Africa regional manager starting beginning of 2021. This is a joint initiative between FCI and Afrexim Bank, and the candidate will be based at the head office of Afrexim Bank in Cairo. So at the end, we need to have regional directors all over the world 
in each continent and uh, they will be managed with really ambitious KPIs. So be sure that uh, our regional presence all over the world is key uh, to us. Second, I think that advocacy should be very important in the near future. In that respect, we are going to hire a part-time consultant to support our lobbying efforts, working uh, closely with our regional partners and stakeholders, such as Fretzen Bank, as I said, EBRD, Asia Development Bank, and IDB Invest in the Americas. This is also very important, and there is so much to do in advocacy. And the first thing to do is uh, be uh, really very closely in the lobbying of maybe postponing the new definition of default that should be ongoing at the beginning of next year. So FCI should co-sign joint letter campaign to the European Commission and ECB to uh, jointly with U.S. to convince them to delay, postpone the application, the implementation of this new definition of default that could be, I believe, really dangerous in this period. We can't afford to have clients, companies, sometimes huge companies, in default because they have paid after 90 days. So advocacy is a second important step for us. And, of course, I believe also that we should be working in correspondent factoring, two-factor system. This is also something very interesting for us in order to enhance credit response times and have more robust collection efforts or dilution analysis. So in this period where we will see a rise in risk, I believe it's important to be really efficient in our core business and two-factor system through eddy factoring and with the help of the GRIF is key. And last but not least, I would like to say that we should organize 53rd in-person annual meeting next year. That's really a strong objective. Of course, no one can predict what will happen next year, but hopefully this 53rd FCI annual meeting should be held at the end of June, as you know, 21, in Washington, D.C. I really hope we will make it because it's key for our members, for our co-factors to discuss, to have bilateral talks during these annual meetings. And we have decided also to hold our 54th annual meeting in two years' time in Marrakesh, Morocco, that will be important to focus on emerging markets and especially in this huge emerging market, which is Africa. Daniela, do you have anything else to add? Yes, I would like to add uh, another item, which is related to education. As we know, education is, uh, is a key for the future. And FCI educational program is uh, globally recognized. Our online courses are accredited and endorsed for their content and quality by international academic institutions. We will continue in the coming months to support the industry. Our future projects uh, include uh, new courses, which will be delivered soon, and uh, digital enhancement, including implementation of a new digital marketing strategy, and a continuous improvement of the e-learning environment. Patrick, Daniela, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on Trade Finance Talks. 
virtually from FCI's annual conference. And I think it's very clear there are probably around four or five really important themes that have come out of today's podcast and and the annual meeting. The importance of advocacy, lobbying and education during these very uncertain and, and certainly unsettling times. Also, the reliance on corporates and their suppliers on factoring when it comes to alternative finance support or cash flow management. Then there's the importance of model factoring laws, especially in developing and emerging markets. What can we learn and what can we implement in new markets? Also, the importance of credit insurance globally within and to be used in conjunction with factoring and receivables finance. Finally, how can we be ready to embrace new technologies, particularly in and around EDI 2.0? And how can we make this platform blockchain ready to really ease and simplify some of the really paper-based processes we currently see? Thank you both for joining us on Trade Finance Talks. Look forward to hopefully seeing you in Washington, D.C. in June next year. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to Trade Finance Talks. Be sure to subscribe to our podcasts at tradefinanceglobal.com. 